you're listening to Just Asking. Why do we human beings, who are obviously so sexual, have such a difficult time talking about managing this intimate part of our lives? We talk about managing our money, we manage our careers, our diets, and even our stock portfolios. Yet, when it comes right down to it, we really don't know how to talk about managing our sexuality, and certainly don't know how to talk about doing it intelligently. Hi, this is Stephen Ng, and I'm talking to my friend Jackie about things related to sexuality. Uh, actually, just about everything related to sexuality. So what is it today, Jackie? Which is interesting you say that because from doing these podcasts and working with you, I'm realizing that everything is related to sexuality. Thank you. It's yes. hard to narrow down. <laughs> Um, this is a topic. So, but you have mentioned several times, um, both here and then also in your um, blogs, that you are not a fan of online dating. Yeah, and I and I want to you know give a tip of the hat uh, to people who found their mates online, and I know that's an increasingly common phenomenon, and I don't want to take away anything from their experience. So, having said that, at the onset, I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a little bit like people who meet wonderful people, you know, in a bar. It can happen. Uh, I just don't think that online dating or online mate selection is a terrific way to go about the process. Uh, I've talked to people who've told me, well, yeah, I, I won my wife in a pool game and uh, we've been together for 30 years. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is... Just because someone else had some success doing something doesn't mean that it's generally applicable to all the rest of us. And simply being married or being married for a long time isn't really a great measure of personal happiness. So when I look at online dating, what I see is a continuation of our society's uh, continuing loss of social skills. I believe when young boys are glued to a TV screen or to a video monitor or a Game Boy or any other sort of device, it's not that they're doing something wrong. It's what they're not doing. And what they're not doing is running, jumping, playing, and learning how to make friends, learning what loyalty it means, learning how to share who they are verbally with other people, and to engage in meaningful ways. So. For example, you know, among the many clients I have, a number of them are people who've committed sex crimes. And some of those sex crimes are committed by virgins who are entirely online and have never had a relationship offline. So they agree to meet someone who's underage uh, in public. And that's because they've never developed the social skills to go on dates, to actually have conversations, to make small talk, to make increasingly personal disclosures, which are matched by her making personal disclosures, to gradually develop intimacy, to occasionally have a conflict, then a confrontation, and then to resolve the conflict, resulting in even more intimacy, and then to go on and on and on into that wonderful happily ever after. Well, that, that isn't something you can learn online. So if women are going to be dating online, which again, I don't have a problem with, and I'm happy for everybody for whom it works out, you're fishing in a, an increasingly target-poor environment because there are so many individuals out there who are able to function wonderfully online, be very glib and chatty and conversational online, and then you meet them, 
and they really don't have the deeper intimacy skills that are required for intimacy. I think my friends who, who do online dating um, would argue that everybody's online um, and perfectly normal people who have lives, who have jobs, who can, you know, hold down a life are online because it's, it's easier. It's easier to find people there. It's easier to find people maybe in your geographic circle who you have something in common with. Yeah, and I think for, for them, I'm going to sound hopelessly curmudgeonly and, um, you know, make, and, and if I make some snide remark, like, uh, well, people who date out of bars will say the same thing. Um, that's where the people are. That's where you go to meet women. Well, yeah, uh, I, I do understand that. And again, I really hope it works for, works for everybody out there. But what I am cutting myself off from is networking, which is something that existed before the Internet. And networking with friends and family in terms of finding the kind of people who they, since they know me so well, and as they meet new people, they can introduce possible candidates to me. They can introduce possible candidates into my life, and I get a chance to meet people and observe people in in real life. There's also that other crowd of uh, men and, I suppose, some women who are using online dating really as a way of uh, finding sex partners more than finding intimacy. I had had to laugh. I I did online dating about six or seven years ago, and when I started it, I was showing some of the prospects to my girlfriend who had been doing online dating 10 years before that, and they were the same guys. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so (laughs) way too small a town that we live in. Yeah, Yeah, and and I, I can see that happening as well. But, you know, there's, I think with online dating, I know that eventually two people want to meet, and they do meet. But the presumption, I think, there, or the danger is that they will presume that their online intimacies will translate into real-world intimacies in real time. And again, I think there are two different skill sets. I think men and women who are capable of being wonderfully intimate, flirtatious, funny, and all the rest online are not necessarily capable of doing that in person. Okay, so then... In order to safeguard against that, let's say the listener then decides, well, yeah, I'm going, but I'm going to be dating them. I'm going to be observing them. It's not like I meet them online and then we get married. Um, yeah, and I think that that's good. But again, the danger there would be the impression I formed of this person online is going to be a little challenging to overcome because it's, it means I have to admit that I was wrong. And uh, most most human beings find that somewhat challenging. And a more natural, more normal course, I can recommend one that also involves the Internet, would be to use social networking in a way that seems tailor-made for increasing romantic uh, availability and options. And that would be to engage in those sorts of online activities that facilitate social engagement in real life. So I don't want to be giving free advertising to anybody necessarily, but uh, Meetup is an example of such a uh, an app where different people with different interests get together and they listen to a lecture, or they go out to dinner as a group, they go on hikes, they study some subject, they do something as a group. And what that mimics is what we all experienced back in high school when you'd be in the same English class for the entire school year and there would be a number of attractive people sitting around you, or maybe just that one who is sitting up against the wall quite far from you. And you had a chance to observe them, not relating to you, not putting on their their best game face 
for a date, but you had a chance to observe them in the real world doing other things. Because let's face it, when we are dating, all of us are trying to put the best foot forward. All of us are trying to be just are a little bit better than maybe our true selves. It's, it's funny you say that. One of the things I did not like about online dating was as soon as you meet somebody, you know, for a glass of wine or lunch, and it's, it's so datey. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly just, what right? you mean because it's like going on a cattle call uh, at a model, modeling studio. Um, you don't know what is expected, but you're going to try your very best to put on the pizzazz and the charm and, and everything else. When, wouldn't it have been a relief to meet this person in a, a normal environment? Like, say, uh, let's, whether, whether you're into the environment or not, let's say the Sierra Club had organized a, a very genial sort of hike that was not too demanding and people actually had a chance to talk and converse and maybe to share lunch together as a group. And you got a chance to see, wow, he doesn't really treat people very nice. Now, why would, why would you want to go on a date with that guy? But on, online, I bet he would be, as my children say, hella charming. And on your first date, he would be hella charming. Yeah, yeah. I think, he w I think most of us would when the pressure is on. And so what I'm arguing for is having the, a sort of vibrant social life that allows you to meet but lots of potential candidates for a long-term committed relationship that would be very satisfying, but without the liability of actually going on a date so that you can observe them and how they interact with other people and you can have casual conversation and get to know them as you talk about the last elections or you talk about religion or you talk about um, the activity that you're engaged in at the moment. And you find out so much more about them because they're so much more at ease and relaxed and then to decide whether it's a good idea to give them your phone number or to ask them out to lunch or something like that. Can I tell you a story? Of course. And, and you're going to say yes because I'm going to exactly prove your point um, with the story. <laughs> so I have a girlfriend who um, lived in the Midwest and she got to her mid-30s. All her friends were married, so she decided it was time. And so she, she had a very methodical, because um, she's a, an event planner, and so she's, she knows how to do things. And so she went online, and she would pick people, and then she would meet them in the same restaurant at the same time of day, wearing the same outfit every time. So to reduce the number of variables down to just him. Yes. Okay. Yes. And to not have to think about what am I going to wear. And, and she had a thing where she would only stay for 10 or 15 minutes if, you know, if she knew when she walked in, she was walking out because she wasn't, you know, wasn't going to waste time. And she um, got sent on a job to a different city and got to the city and um, it was the weather was wrong and so she had packed wrong and so by the end of the day she hadn't eaten she was angry she was wearing a baseball hat and a dirty t-shirt because she'd been working all day and that's where she met her husband right 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 so you know we all uh, and and of course my brain wants to uh grab onto that example as proof of what i'm talking <laughs> about but you know, the, the, the temptation there has to be resisted because we all know these stories that are anecdotal and they're exceptions to the rule or to whatever it is anybody's saying, even those who are listening to this now, maybe looking into their eyes of their beloved and thinking, gosh, I'm so glad I, I play video games and I met this person online and, and we ended up hooking up like this. Well, you know, there's going to be an exception to everything. But in general, um, if we're playing the odds, 
uh, I'm not some Luddite who says there should be no use of technology whatsoever. Just sure. do it the old-fashioned way. But what I'm saying is use technology intelligently and intentionally in a way that maximizes your social life. And the win-win in that is if I'm a lonely guy or I'm just new in town and I haven't met anybody, uh, the first thing I need to do is build up a social network anyway. And I need to get some friends, preferably male friends who are going to help me be a better man. And going to the different uh, events like the kind that are organized by Meetup uh, is going to help me to really meet that larger circle of male friends. Now, if I go and meet a wonderful potential female partner, well, that's fantastic, but I'm going because I have a high probability of enjoying the activity anyway. I have a high probability of meeting other men who like that activity and who, with whom I'm going to have something in common. And so I'm going to come away from the experience feeling pretty positive. You might meet somebody you can do business with. You might... Right. Any number. I mean, sometimes, and I think we'd all agree, uh, some of our romantic partners have fallen far short of some of our best friends, right? Mm -hmm. And to have to have met a wonderful new friend is, well, that's... That's a very precious thing. That's that's absolutely fantastic. So it doesn't always have to result. And that's, I think, that Buddhist part of me, and I'm not a Buddhist, but that part of me that really thinks it's important to detach and let go and let, let life happen a little bit around you. Which which comes back to expectations, which we've, right. we've talked about before, is if I go into an event, and I understand this is more painful for people who are, who are introverts, um, but, but I go into an event expecting to meet someone who would be interesting not a potential life partner not even a date but somebody who oh but you're saying you said introvert but i think what you mean if if i could say this is is you mean a shy person a shy person thank you thank you for correcting me on that because i'm an introvert and i'm not shy i could go into a let's say a, a meetup that was all about board games and i could have a real great time playing some crazy silly board games i've never played before meet a lot of wonderful people um but I'm not shy. I think the shy people have a real disadvantage. And and thank you life. for clarifying that. My son is my son is shy and introverted. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I I try really hard to understand this better than I do. Um, but but you're going to walk away. I I mean I've gone to events where I so don't want to go. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I don't want to go. I have never not one time walked away without gaining something. I, you know, and I'm I'm an introvert who hates going to. Uh, I have to regularly go do trainings. I have to go to social events I don't necessarily want to go to. And every single time I go, I also come away with something. I'm really glad that I left because I met this guy and he and I can I can tell we're going to be good friends or there's going to be some kind of great business uh, connection there or I learned something uh, that I really needed to know. So I, I try to be open like you. And I, I try to be like you in so many ways, Jackie. <laughs> so many ways. So many. So, so bottom line. So bottom line. And, and so we are, need to be open to meeting other people in real life. Under real life conditions that are not a date. And that's going to tell me so much vital information about whether I even want to consider dating this person that I would otherwise never be able to find out online. So I'm not exactly against online dating. I would just say, I think we can do better. Or if you do meet somebody, like I have a friend who said, I would never have met my husband without online dating because he'd lived in a different city. Right. 
Um, so would you say on that circumstance, get to know them in person? Well, you know, that's a really challenging issue and might deserve its own podcast some other day. But I can tell you, as a therapist, I've met a lot of people who've fallen in love long distance. And they've used the internet or the telephone to build up a sense of intimacy that is legitimate. They totally have it. And it's real. But there's a big difference between dating somebody and falling in love with them um, long distance, even if you're you're putting in a couple of jet airline trips over there to where they are, or they are coming to your city. There's a big difference between those uh, very, uh, what could you call those events? They have a certain heightened uh, expectation. It's like and vacation sex. It's it's like I guess like vacation sex. I <laughs> that's another podcast. We I'll let you talk about that. But I, I I think that there's a misplaced cortical arousal. That's I think how I would put it. Where I'm excited to see this other person, and it's kind of scary because it's really out there, and it's the sort of activity that movie stars alone used to be able to do, or millionaires. Back in the day, they would have these jet-setting romances where they'd have a girlfriend on the other side of the country. But we do that, and what I see happening is that they genuinely fall in love, but that is a big leap to believing that they could have a happy day-to-day existence with one another. Because our capacity to fall in love is limited only by our ability to see that which is truly lovable about another human being. And as many of us have proven again and again, we can definitely fall in love with people we have no business being married to. Then on that note, <laughs> seems like a really good time to, um, to call this uh, day. So um, if you have questions for Stephen, please tweet them at MFT, and we will try and get to them on a future podcast. Thank you for listening. Good talking to you, Jackie. You too. Thank you. This has been a production by Ing Intellectual in cooperation with Estepona Group. Interview by Jackie Shelton. Music produced by Octophonics. Editing by Lucas Pichelli. To listen to more episodes, visit stephening.com.